Grace and peace to you from God our Father and from our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. Our text for this morning is written in St. Paul's first letter to Timothy, the first chapter, beginning with the 12th verse. He writes, I thank him who has given me strength, Christ Jesus our Lord, because he judged me faithful, appointing me to his service. Though formerly I was a blasphemer, persecutor, and insolent opponent, but I received mercy because I had acted ignorantly in unbelief, and the grace of our Lord overflowed for me with the faith and love that are in Christ Jesus. The saying is trustworthy and deserving of full acceptance that Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners, of whom I am the foremost. But I received mercy for this reason, that in me, as the foremost, Christ Jesus might display his perfect patience as an example to those who were to believe in him for eternal life. To the King of the ages, immortal, invisible, the only God, be honor and glory forever and ever. Amen. These are your words. Holy Father, sanctify us by the truth. Your word is truth. Amen. When my daughter was just under two months old, so still very much a newborn, I received a rather interesting gift. It's incredibly cliche, and I'm absolutely positive you've seen something at least like it before. I was actually so blown away with this gift, I decided to bring it with me this morning, just so I can show it off to you. Yeah, you see this? <laughs> Number one dad. Yeah, that's me, apparently. Now, when I first received this absolutely wonderful, beautiful gift, uh, my initial genuine reaction was to laugh out loud, and for a couple of reasons. Uh, first, that t-shirt is size small. Uh, I usually wear a large when it comes to t-shirts, so the only thing it really does for me is show off the dad bod I've been working on since then. Uh, but more importantly and profoundly, in order for the statement that that t-shirt makes to be actually objectively true, a number of just impossible things have to happen. First, we need to develop some sort of scale to measure ability in fatherhood and then a way to test fathers for it. Then every father on the face of the planet has to score themselves or undergo this test and upload their information to an international computer system, a, a database, if you will. But third and most unlikely and impossible of all, I have to be at the very top of that list. My daughter uh, just turned 14 months old. It's been over a year since I've received this present, and I still have no idea what I'm doing as a father. But I somehow knew even less when I received this award. <clears throat> High on my list of strategies to calm her down is hand her back to mom. <laughs> Number one, dad. Me? You gotta be joking. The number one dad t-shirt makes a, a pretty out there claim. But in our text for this morning, the Apostle Paul makes a claim that's somehow even more outrageous when he says that he is the worst 
of all sinners, foremost, he says, chief of sinners, number one sinner, if you will. But maybe this claim isn't as ridiculous as it sounds. Uh, Paul provides an argument in support of this bold claim. He starts off our text with just this laundry list of his sins. He says he was a blasphemer, a persecutor, and an insolent opponent. Uh, insolent means violent, another way to translate it. Paul persecuted Christians. And not only that, he was zealous to do so. He wasn't content to persecute Christians in Jerusalem, where he was living, or in Judea, the larger area around Jerusalem. No, he wanted to go all the way to Damascus, 150 miles away, just to persecute Christians. It's worth noting that uh, when Paul says he received mercy because he acted ignorantly in unbelief, this isn't trying to, to wriggle out of the consequences of his sin or provide an excuse for it. That would entirely undermine his larger point here, right? That he's the literal worst. What he is doing is fessing up to it, owning up to it, and giving us a bit of a glimpse into just how he fell into such horrible sins. Paul seems to have a pretty good case for why he should be the number one sinner. But that can't possibly be his point, right? It's hard to imagine that Paul wants us walking away from this text, patting ourselves on the back, because we're so much better than he is. And it's worth noting that Paul isn't playing any kind of comparison game here. He isn't listing off someone else's sins, and then his own, as if his are so much worse. No, it's an exercise in self-examination. It's an exercise in reflection, which leads Paul to crown himself with this title. The same can be said for us. The number one sinner trophy is maybe more like a number one dad t-shirt than it is an Olympic gold medal, right? For the Olympics, you have to endure the fiercest competition. And then you get it and, and you win and you're the reigning champion for four years until the next competition. In contrast, the number one dad t-shirts are mass-produced. I never had to enter a competition to win one. It was given to me as a display of my subjective value. In the same way, there's more than one number one sinner award to be had. But we still try our hardest to disqualify ourselves. Unlike Paul, we do play the sin comparison game. We look at the sins that other people commit and convince ourselves that we're not that bad. At least I don't sin like that, right? But if we truthfully, honestly want to play the sin ranking game, we are going to end out on top every single time. Because I have no doubt that if someone tallied up all the times you sinned in the course of a day, the sins no one could see would far outnumber those that anyone could. When I look at my sin scorecard, I see the laziness at my job, 
when no one's looking? The harsh words I mutter just underneath my breath? The anger I hide just beneath the surface? You have no idea about any of that. You could never possibly know that or see that. Only I can. Only I can know the true extent and depth of my own sinfulness. And I have no false pretenses. I am the worst of all sinners. What about you? I don't know the sins which mark your scorecard, but you do. Be honest with yourself. Examine yourself. Which sins are those that you desperately try to sweep under the rug so no one else can see them and judge you for them? No, if you're honest with yourself, you are that number one sinner, too. So what is Paul's point with, with this whole section, then, with leading us through this spiritual exercise of self-examination? Well, it's certainly not to lead us to despair. But rather, Paul, who has crowned himself the chief of sinners, goes on to show himself as an example of God's mercy and God's patience. It would have been entirely within God's right to strike Paul dead on the road to Damascus, to make him an example of his wrath against sin and his justice but he didn't do that. No, instead, God struck Paul with the bright light from heaven as Jesus appeared to him, calling him to repentance. Instead, God sent him Ananias to proclaim to him the good news and baptize him. God put up with Paul in his sin so that his mercy and his grace would be shown all the more. And he deals the same way with us, the number one sinners that we are. Jesus saw us clad in number one sinner t-shirts, the lot of us. And he stooped down from heaven to tear them from our backs and pile them on his own. Jesus lived the perfect life. He committed no sin of his own. He was the number one person, objectively speaking. But on the cross, he suffered the just punishment for all of our sins and the sins of the whole world. He became the number one sinner, objectively speaking, as he suffered that punishment. And then he gave us a new garment to wear. In our baptism, Jesus took the very shirt off of his back, the one that says, number one, beloved son, and he gave it to you. We are now clothed with the robe of Christ's righteousness. When God looks at us, he no longer sees the title number one sinner emblazoned on our foreheads, but the righteousness and the perfection and the holiness of his dearly beloved son. Jesus' resurrection has assured us that this is our new status. Number one, beloved children. And as his beloved children, he has promised to take us with him 
to live forever. Maybe now we can see why Paul led us through this exercise of well, self-deprecation. Because we're all sinful and we all need grace and God has all given it to us abundantly, overflowing more than enough. But only when we recognize just how sinful we were do we realize just how much we have been forgiven. Only when we realize just how wicked we were do we realize just how righteous he has made us. We were number one sinners. But God's grace has transformed us into his number one beloved children. But this grace it doesn't come alone. Rather, Paul said that it came with the faith and love that are in Christ Jesus. Now the faith is to receive this gift and to hold on to it. And the love is twofold. Firstly, it's love towards God. Uh, Paul shows us a wonderful example of this in, in the final verse of our text as he pours out this generous offering of thanks and praise to God. But it's also love towards one another. So the next time you catch yourself playing the sin comparison game, remember that if God can forgive the person at the very top of that list, that's you and me, remember, he can certainly forgive everyone else as well. Freely forgive, just as you have freely been forgiven. Who are we to withhold God's forgiveness? Spread the word of the peace you have received, which gives you rest for your souls. The number one dad t-shirt was never about any international competition but really only ever about my subjective value within my own family. In the same way, when we come to the realization of the full extent and gravity of our sins, we, along with Paul, can crown ourselves the chief of sinners. But this trophy comes with a purpose. Not that we vainfully hold on to our own sinfulness, but that we are all the more relieved when Jesus takes it from us and gives us something far better in return. Jesus removed the very crown that sat on his head and placed it on yours. And on that crown is engraved the title, Number One, Beloved. Amen. And may the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, guard and keep your hearts and minds through faith in Christ Jesus.